Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of January 2020. Scary, isn't it? You said we'll see it for the next month or so, it'll be scary until you get used to the idea and just accept the fact that time certainly does march on. But it's interesting to see the agendas, very old agendas, uh, come into play and be used again, the same types of agendas and with formulas and so on. That's how the world is run, but it's one big, big plan, of course, and those at the top are quite uh, proficient at managing the world and keeping the games going, because games are terribly profitable. And it's only the publics of different countries that never quite catch on to it. We're, we're, we're caught up in the, with the, the, the financial depressions and recessions and, and, and that kind of thing. And we're caught up, too, with higher taxes and your currencies being devalued all the time. Uh, until you get quite used to the idea uh, that countries are in debt for trillions of dollars or pounds or whatever. And you accept that as normal. And of course, younger folk are always—they always think it is more normal because, because they'll think nothing of blowing a few hundred dollars on something that you, your generation, older generation, would have um, taken maybe a week or a month <laughs> to, to think about it first, because of the prices. Because we're all trained per generation, and really for every twenty years, it just jumps and jumps and jumps. And people adapt to it. And I've had this talk with even relatives years ago, because one one relative of mine had talked about a pay raise he would get at work. And I know that at that time, uh, the, the, the factories were going out of the country big time with agreements with the free trade in China. The agreements had been signed, and in Canada and the States, a lot of business was also going to the, what they called the Mexican corridor through free trade agreements as well. And the public had no say in any of this. You just went along with it and watched all your work go away and your businesses and your and your your labour go away, in fact, because it's have died away. It was almost like it was forbidden to speak about it in the media. Don't mention the fact, because the last thing they wanted at the top was blowback from the public, who <laughs> deservedly had the right to complain massively as they lost their jobs. And the factories just disappeared. And we paid for them, as I said before, through the agreements, through NAFTA and through the agreements with China, through the World Trade Organization. Uh, it was signed and, and, and China had to pay nothing for it. The taxpayers in the West paid for the factories, the big corporations in their own countries, to move over to China and set up. We paid for all that, including what they claimed might be lost during the setup for a few years until the profit started coming in. That's, that, so we paid for all. Quite amazing, isn't it? Uh, and then you go and vote for what? For the same people who got awfully rich, make it all happen. Awfully, awfully rich. The world's completely different from, from the portrayal via the media. They're, they're completely, completely different. And I can't get that across uh, enough, really. I think most folk could never really accept it. They tend to get caught up in the in the puppets and clowns that are put in front of them, like like Boris Johnson. You know, he's, he plays the clown. That's his job. Uh, but he'll do what he's told by his bosses above him. And uh, same as Donald Trump and everybody else there. Uh, and they're all bought and paid for by the richest folk in the world. Sometimes uh, that's a fact, folks. That is a fact. I mentioned years ago too about a movie it was called The Lucky Man, The Lucky Man with Malcolm McDowell as the main character in it, that was a kind of satirical play on real life in, in Britain at the time. Now, Britain, for example, Britain came out of World War II devastated. They'd already been devastated with the cost of World War I, uh, and not just in lives, but in finances too. Incredible uh, loans were given out. In fact, that was, that's one of the main reasons America came in in 1917, was to ensure that the payments from, from all the different loans by the big banks in the U.S., that owned the U.S. at that time too, would get their loans repaid. That was one of the reasons it came in 1917, and Britain had already been in that war from 1914 for reasons which we still haven't got clear yet. 
memoirs is a good business to be in, a very good business. You're guaranteed, if you supply anything to any kind of military or navy or whatever, you're guaranteed payment by governments, guaranteed. And the, the taxpayers are taxed to pay them off, so that's guaranteed as well. It's pretty well, that's surety indeed, you know. So tremendously profitable. It doesn't matter if you win or lose either. Through international agreements, all all sides have to pay them off. It's, quite, it's very lucrative. So Malcolm McDowell, as they say, portrayed a post-World War II Britain, maybe about the 1950s, 60s, and how uh, literally he took any job he could get. And he, this, this naive young guy starts to to learn and find out how corrupt everything is. Once again, nothing's really what you think it is. He meets mayors of towns and and everything's and he's in bed with a well, in bed financially and with with a, a kind of a, a gang mentality with the local police chief and that, that kind of stuff. It all connects it. And they have, their, they have their parties and their orgies and things like that with illicit booze and so on. That's how the world really really works, unfortunately. And the, again, it's the esoteric and the exoteric. And the esoteric really is for the inner group to understand what it's about, uh, whereas the exoteric are for the general public, who really believe the world is, is, that has been presented to them. They believe it in, in that fashion. They don't question it, really. And, and you can't blame people. They're, they're brainwashed to, to be like this. You're brainwashed to be awfully naive. And I think there's a natural tendency in humanity, especially if, if, you're, if you are descended from tribes of some kind, to believe, obviously, in what's presented as a ruler, a tribal leader. And that worked fine for tribes, because the, the leader and small tribes could be overthrown if he got too big for his boots or his fur boots, or whoever it happened to be, and by the people, you see. But once you, you got money coming in, it changed everything, because now you could pay mercenaries just to, to guard the king, you see. And he would get, definitely get bigger for his, too big for his boots. And if anybody complained, well, they were simply uh, disappeared. That, that, that technique has never changed. Maybe the ways of doing it are more sophisticated today, but they still go on all the time, by the way. It's not a pleasant world out there, and it's getting very dangerous today. Very dangerous. As you see, the complete intolerance of um, anybody speaking out about what's really happening in the world by, and banned to speak by those who basically rule it. I know it's like that Google, for instance, is, is, um, is admitted that one of the head guys in Google is using the algorithms now to, to find, make RT, for instance, whether you like it or not, RT gives you some good information. It's up to you to decide how much of it's true or whatever, like every other site. But the, the, the algorithms are going to make it harder to find RT if you're searching for articles and so on. But that's been done for years from the beginning of the public internet or given access for the public. And uh, I was doing fine two years ago, years and years ago, until I started to speak out about certain things that were happening, including the, the wars I saw getting fomented and getting ready, etc. And definitely when I, I mentioned the fact that the West was funding what were supposedly the, uh, the groups that were heading against Syria, as an example, we were funding the groups called ISIS, ISIL, ISIS, and so on. We funded them, and there's no doubt about it. The West trained uh, and funded and armed these people all through their so-called regime changes, etc., because it's all one, the one group. And I saw the chaos because I knew, too, that there'd be tremendous blowback on the whole of Europe with mass migration, because of it, and uh, that was as far as I could see, that's part of the plan. Obviously, planners are not stupid. You don't hire the stupid people and give them big salaries, uh, whole layers of them, and these huge think tanks that that study strategy and history and warfare and all kinds of warfare, including propaganda warfare, which is tremendously effective. Because the first people that you use on are your own public. You, you want to brainwash a public to, to obey you or the ruling class, whoever that happens to be. And, and they'll never even realize they've been brainwashed. They'll be naturally very, very supportive. 
again, playing on natural instincts, tribal instincts. You, you, you're, we're used and abused so easily by professionals, as I say. Never, never, ever so much as, as today. And in bygone years, as I say, with the Cold War, we understood quite clearly what the problems were. And when you, when you understood that, that, that socialism <laughs> and, and, uh, really is mass slaughter of any dissidents, and uh, they don't tolerate anything except themselves. It's not just a, a socialism is not a democratic process. Once they're in, you understand that. And um, that's what communism was. Stalin said it too. That communism was simply socialism in a hurry through revolution. That's what you use. Uh, socialism uses uses uh, a slower type, the cultural revolutions, and you change it through the Gramsci technique of taking over the culture and leading the culture until the public follow, never knowing that they're, going, they're getting turned off in a completely different direction of behavior, etc. Very effective, as I say, but today the public have no idea, and not much of a chance, I have to tell you, to, to really combat the big, big movements that are at play. Just Britain alone has tens of thousands, tens of thousands of people employed by a, a, a strata of agencies that deal just with internet and, and not just bots, but, but actual real people, two trolls as they call them, trained professionally by the military, <laughs> tens of thousands of them, uh, who literally are all over the place. And if you speak up with certain things, you get hammered if you're on social media, you get absolutely hammered from a thousand different sources and they'll try and do you in one way or another. It's very effective, and, and they use certain people and, and divisions that will target people who are lonely, for instance. That's how they do it, too. Women or men, it was, it was just a, a more advanced form of the old technique of spies. You, you would use spies and send them into countries, and they would get to know the women especially, who were secretaries of naval departments or, 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 or army or whatever it happens to be, or air force to send information back. And sometimes they would send women to do it to the guys. And that was very effective, too, like the perfume of affair in Britain. Although it's debatable if the women that were used were actually paid to be spies, they certainly had the ability to uh, transfer information that they were hearing to, to, to their opposite numbers in different countries. So it, it, it's really amazing, as I say, to see today where the same things go on through bots and through, through trolls. They're well-paid. And they'll take people into their confidence. They'll have dialogues and so on. And, and then they'll suddenly attack you. And by that time, they'll, they'll sussed you out. If you're a woman, for instance, they'll, they'll have sussed you out to your weak spots and say, what, what would destroy this person? And they'll hit them with the very thing. That, and they can have a breakdown over it. And they've never met this person. They've still got in mind an imaginary picture of something or somebody. But these, these literally are paid experts working for warfare departments. Now, I'm not kidding you. And I could give you stacks of evidence about it. But, but it's a fact. This, the U.S. has them. Um, Britain has them. All, all big countries have them. Russia has them. Israel has them. Big ones, too all applying for power and applying to, to try to uh, uh, improve their own stance, their, their nation's stance on certain uh, issues and so on, and, and at the same time destroy enemies. Now, today, destroying an enemy is people who's, who have different points of view. I hope you understand where we are today. For those who literally have, get freaked out with incredible barrage, utter barrage, of, of trolls and bots that hit them if they've said something or whatever it happens to be on a show, for instance. You've got to wake up to what this is. This is these aren't just average people out there who disagree with you. No, these people literally are, are trained, like all warfare people, to destroy you through different techniques. And they are taught techniques of destruction of the human mind, the psyche, how it works, how it takes vulnerabilities and how we destroy a person. And some people, they can work it out from your, your particular mindset, your psyche, as I say. Um, they, can, they can work it out through your personality type, likes, dislikes, fears, and all the rest of it, likes. 
politics, religion, whatever it happens, and they can they can literally figure out precisely, just like an attack to hit you with this, 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 and this in a certain order to take you down, and they're very, very effective. That's where your neuroscientists are working with governments for. That's what your BIT groups from the universities are working with them for, because they're all part of these intelligence services too that work to attack people who who understand too much, perhaps, on the internet and on social media. And I don't play the social media part because I'm well aware that that most of what you're going to get hammered with are not real people, and if they are, they generally are working. Uh, with these intelligence agencies. And, and each person who works in agencies will have a stack of accounts given, lots and lots of them, but there's telltale marks if they're actually real people or not. And if they are, if they're, if they're actually part of intelligence agencies too, because they, they don't have long accounts, and they haven't been up long at all, and they won't have uh, much of a following either. And they'll have a standard things that they pretend to follow, and you can actually work out if they're if they're actually just they're actually real people, but they're they're working for these agencies to troll and attack people, and they do like swarms. And that's where we live today. You've noticed uh, in the media, and this is what gets me really. You would hope, as the centuries go by, we become more more humane. You'd really hope that, wouldn't you, about uh, life in general. But we're not. We're actually getting worse. And I think as we lose religion, we get more and more inhumane. And you see the things that happen in society. Whereas now their hospitals are even handing, you know, they'll euthanize you because it's cheaper on on, uh, on the money getting taken off people. Plus, they don't want you living too long. They can grab your pension and spend it on other things. So they, they, they'll try and euthanize you. His life gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Oh, he's an old parrot. He's going to die anyway. You know, it may take him another six months, maybe a few years, but why bother keeping him alive? And It's much cheaper this way, if you're a nobody, you see. And we accept that as a society, and you're accepting your own doom when you do these things. I hope you realize that. I hope you really realize that. But it's also the same thing, too, when your governments, and I knew this, and I've said it, I knew this thing with Iran would come, because Trump made it quite plain for, before he got in to the right people what he would do with Iran. And every major speech he's given at the United Nations or anywhere else too, he's kind of brought that up or hinted towards it. And to other associations, he's been very vocal about it. But the fact is, um, Boris Johnson's that's why he got in, in there too. I knew it, too, because he's part of the same club. And he'll do he's told. And you have the same thing with Britain with a reenactment of the attack on Iraq, which is literally bombed into the Stone Age. I remember doing the talks at the time when they were happening, and even giving out information from Kissinger when he debated with Zygmunt Brzezinski. So Brzezinski and Kissinger debated on the best policy for long-term strategy. They always look at long-term strategy. And the plan was to take the whole list of the peanut group and destroy them and literally bomb them into the Stone Age. They even had the debate between the two of them. It was published in the papers at the time and certain magazines on Iran itself because they, they said, well, you know, Iraq really technically is a recent, a recent nation as opposed to the, the old Persian nation, which is now Iran, because at one time they are really all one big nation. So they're trying to debate through legalities and semantics of who they should totally destroy and should they give any deference at all to the fact that some of them were very ancient cultures and countries. And Syria's another one, is an old one too. And that really upset them. They found ways to get around it, of course, eventually. But Brzezinski and uh, Kissinger had it out. And I think Kissinger said that uh, the best policy was to totally destroy them. All infrastructure for everything that needed to exist as a, a workable nation would be totally destroyed. That way, the people wouldn't be the, the people anymore. You have a country when you've got all the different institutions working uh, for you, water supplies and food supplies, baby formulas and so on. And the U.S. went in and blew up. I think the first thing they blew up, actually, was a baby formula factory. That was in the news, too. So all, all infrastructure would be destroyed. Then you got what was left of the public. You're so shell-shocked and angry about everything. And kind of neurotic. You get, once you get people who are pretty well neurotic, when everything's destroyed, it's hard to get them to consent unanimously on anything. 
And so you have a dysfunctional society easily managed, then you bring in the troops, then you bring in the mercenary troops, like Blackwater after it, and they can kill at will. So many murders were just taking place openly in the streets. On cars just passing by, there was videos up at the time of the troops just doing it for fun or something like that, or whatever it happened to be, but... uh, the old rules of the game had definitely changed, you know. And when you think about it, what you were looking at for this 21st century, that was the idea for the 21st century, was to come in where they complete a whole agenda, a massive agenda, social, cultural, world agenda in every respect. And, and of course, the military was to be used for one part of it. And the idea was that the Middle Eastern countries that were to be attacked and destroyed should never be able to reform again as nations, uh, functional, coherent, unified nations, because then certain other players in the area could could, uh, rest in peace and take over a lot of the land and the resources, which has happened, by the way. Uh, As I mentioned before, Tony Blair literally had uh, the leaders of some of the, the big oil companies, international oil companies, meet with them before Britain helped to invade Iraq the first time. And that was an invasion, folks. That's what it was. <laughs> you know, Iraq can not attack Britain. And they, they, they thought they would divvy up some of the oil fields. And, of course, they had the American companies in with them, too. And that broke out in the papers in Britain you know, a few years after. So uh, the most primitive basic reasons for things are still used today, which is greed. Nations are used by the all-powerful. Um, and there are many pretenses of defending you, but when you're on the attack against nations that haven't attacked you, uh, you have to really stop and question things. Now, again, after World War Two, Britain was devastated financially. It, it, it didn't pay off. It was in the papers. I don't know if they've done it yet. I think in the late 1990s, it said that Britain may have been getting ready to pay off the last of the debts from World War One, but later articles refuted that and said that was was never mind World War Two, but but they still hadn't paid off the whole. The interest the compound interest is not meant to get paid off. It puts it puts the debtor into slavery. That's the idea of it. That's the idea. I mean, in, in slavery, you do what you're told. You can be used by the creditors, you say, and you do what you're told. It's, this is this is old, old stuff, and nothing has changed. But you have a lot of crooks involved. Well, after World War Two, the one thing going for it was armaments for Britain. And sure enough, they started to. They, they had the Comet. Came out with the Comet, and that, that um, and they came out with fighter aircraft jet ones, which they started to sell across the world. So armaments for warfare were were, were something Britain still had left, and that became a big, big financial um, income. But really, for a small amount of people, really, and that's never changed. Other countries were the same. Belgium. Well, Belgium is very big in the armaments industry, always has been. And because it's such a lucrative field to be in. And then the Cold War came along, and that, that was the greatest thing for all these t- top people in the, the higher classes of society who were in power and who also had, had massive investments or even ownership and, and weapons manufacturing and missiles especially because uh, every week you would hear about a new missile Russia had where it did or not didn't matter and how it went at a certain speed a certain distance and so on and how we'd have to get a new anti-missile missile to strike it etc uh, they could travel a bit faster and blah 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 and so it just went on back and forth like a tennis game forever and it was just so lucrative because no one ever had to use them themselves. That was the good part for the weapons industry. You didn't have to prove they actually worked. Not bad, eh? Especially when it was costing so much for them. But today, they're right back to square one because they, they missed the Cold War. They missed it. I said that years ago. I said if they have to resurrect a bad bear, that was Russia, they'll do so for if they start to find out they're not getting enough cash coming in. And so they did that, they did that actually. So we're back to square one there. 
and they will benefit from it. I can remember when the cruise missile was supposedly a million pounds, I think, a pop. And was there a million pounds or dollars? I can't remember quite which one, but I remember Clinton popping them off all across the Middle East uh, every other day, sometimes 11 at a time. And that was great, great money at that time for guaranteed money, not bad, 11 million uh, per day, eh? Uh, for for firing off these things to hit places in the deserts and stuff like that. And the taxpayers would pay for it. It was a good income for those who make these things. But the cost of things today is astronomical. When you get fighter aircraft that aren't just in the millions, but some of them cost a, a billion. <laughs> you know, some of them do. And then they're guaranteed uh, payments for their updating to their software every month or, or whatever, or even emergency updates, in fact. And, and the updates can cost millions per, per, per update. It's pretty decent income, isn't it? For, so, yeah, weaponry is awfully, awfully effective. Now, the Cold War, as it say, for the general population, was a propaganda war as well, because you have to convince your people at home who were so war-weary with war after war from 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 the, the, the 1800s and through the Boer War and World War One and World War Two and and then the Korean War and different wars and so on. It's hard to keep the public going when they're living in a uh, really a decadent society, decadent in the sense of your infrastructure's falling apart. Uh, it's not getting replaced and repaired. They tried all kind of cheap, terrible techniques for building for the ordinary people who were still looking for homes to live in because they couldn't have... Most of the people in Britain were working class, you understand, and they, they, most of them couldn't afford to buy a home and you couldn't just get a loan in those days. That's not long ago. You had to have collateral or something physical to put up, as they say, before they'd give you a loan. And, and if you fell flat in the loan, they could grab the real estate, wherever it happened to be, or vehicles or some other property or something. But you couldn't get, if you didn't have anything, you just couldn't get money down on anything. So you rented for it most of your life, for a lot of folk. It was a bit easier in some parts of England, through tradition, but not many. It's a lot of big working-class cities. So it wasn't until about the 70s or 80s, actually the 80s, they started to dish out throughout credit cards like they did in the States and Canada, which which tidied the people over through bad financial times. Because the 70s, there were, the, the economies were in a decline. Wages became stagnant until pretty well up until fairly recently. The same starting wages for most uh, jobs for 30 years, pretty well. So... As I say, Britain is a good example, and, and they show you that in Oh Lucky Man. Because that's really what pulled, uh, they, they say that's what pulled Britain out of, of the mess it was in, was the armaments industry. And some people became the spokespeople or salesmen to foreign countries, especially to countries like Saudi Arabia. That's never changed. The massive purchaser of best weaponry and aircraft fighters and all kinds of weapons that they use, tanks, you name it, and missiles too. You understand that the reasons that you've got ongoing wars today have got nothing to do with the reasons you're given. As I say, Iraq didn't attack the West. That came out too uh, when George Bush was in with his war on Iraq, Iraqi freedom they called it. <laughs> When they wouldn't destroy it in the Stone Age. Uh, very Orwellian in double speak and so on. He said during inquiry, well, I, I never, I never uh, said that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9 11, which is a lie. He did, of course, inferred it. And they used the media, who was just completely on board with it, of course, naturally. They used the media uh, to persuade the public, even though the, the target was supposed to be Afghanistan initially. Within a year, they convinced the public, just with little bits and pieces, that Saddam Hussein, the bad, bad man, that was just a bad man, you see, was the guy behind it. He had nothing to do with it at all. But it just shows you the same. He was on the list. He was on the list of the peanut group. And so they targeted him. Remember Orwell, George Orwell says, who are we fighting today? There was, there was Eurasian and, 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 and so on, different, the different factions of the globe. Uh, because they kept changing the gun sites so quickly. 
and you did that just rapidly without asking questions. And you don't ask, don't ask why we're fighting them or how long we've been fighting them or have we, have we always been fighting them or whatever. That's where we are today, isn't it? Isn't it? Because as George Bush said, he said, oh, I never said that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9-11. Well, why did they invade them and blow them in again in the Stone Age? And don't forget, Iraq at that time had been under a massive embargo from about 1991. Because as soon as the Cold War supposedly finished, the Peanut Group immediately got <laughs> into the Middle East. Now they didn't have Russia to contend with at that time. And they were, they were pushing their weight around there, obviously. For oil, etc. When you're in a nation, and they keep using you, they're after, they're after our resources. Our, who, who's our? Who's, who are we? <laughs> Just think about it here. You better start thinking about this we and our. I like Spike Milligan. He, he, he was a crazy guy. He, was a, he had a bipolar disorder. Thing. But he did say in his talks about when World War II was declared, he said, I remember the Prime Minister coming on the radio. And he said, I have to regret to inform you that as from the blah, blah, the time, etc., of today, and it says we are now at war with. We are now at war with. It says I like the we part. You see, because that's reality. You never, you not you not ask your opinion to anything. We are now at war. When you know that's you at war, you're going to go off and do the fighting. You have a good laugh at things, and sometimes that gets you away from <laughs> worse things. But today we're in such a serious society, you can't even quip about it. But you, you will be attacked by massive, not just the bots, but real trolls that are paid. And you, you wouldn't believe how many, I'm talking about, there's literally hundreds, I'm talking about tens of thousands working for Britain. But there, there's hundreds of thousands working for Britain and the US and a few other countries. All dep- different departments, many names and so on, with specialities in all different areas. And just like any other war, as I say, they'll target certain people, make it hard for them to keep operating, absolutely. And... They tried to defame them, all kinds of ways to, to take them down. And if you're not careful, uh, if you really fall for the relationship thing on the, on the internet, they'll target you, they'll get into your psyche and play around and then destroy you. That's an old technique. Folk have no idea how deep this goes. None at all. And it isn't just, see, here's the thing, it isn't just a matter of attacking enemies or who's not on board with whatever agenda happens to be. It's, it's a way of, and I really mean this, if I, oh, you, you couldn't even read in, in 10 years all the articles and, and the manuals that they're given to, and they're fed with uh, for the purpose, for the, for, the, the, for the present and the future of con- creating a controlled society, a world society with a controlled culture very controlled, and how to raise generations of controlled cultures who are, who are guaranteed to be obedient to, to the overlords, whoever they happen to be or whatever they want to call themselves. This is what's going on, if you haven't figured it out. It really is. It's, it's so far ahead. God, as many think tanks are involved in this. Now, I've got stacks and stacks. I've got gigabytes of this stuff, you know, lots of them. And that's your future, you see. This isn't happenstance that you're stumbling down through time just looking at little... You're giving little bits to grab on the media and go, ooh, ah, oh, look at the royal family. They're, they're not getting too on too well. This couple's not happy with that couple. That, that That's made-up nonsense. They're talking about fake news, eh? I can remember years ago when the when Buckingham Palace literally employed, and it's, to this day it's got bigger and bigger and bigger, a permanent staff... Of propagandists and, and publishers who work for their whole family with film crews and everything who, who make up this stuff and dish out to the public. And, and for the last few years, they, they, they thought, how do, how do we keep the royal family relevant in, in a global society with cultures coming to They've got nothing to do with the past of Britain or Europe, even, you know? Well, let, let's make them what works on people. You understand, they look upon us like animals. What do animals need? What does a human animal need? And you supply it. Then you get little bits of like a, like a banana for the animal. Not quite a banana, but like an animal. And this is how they go on. And, and they start substituting other things for what you really need, you see. 
So you, you have this natural tendency more in the women, actually, and, and this is standard basic psychology and sociology. Women in a small village, they often say, oh, but oh, they just gossip when they get together in, 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 in the corner of the village. And, and you know, you'll see the three same women standing there for hour after hour, natter, natter, natter. That's what they used to say. And they say they know. They've talked about everybody in the village, and they'll be there for hours. And even when there's not much left to say, they'll still stay there because they know that when one leaves, the other two's going to talk about them. You see? That was a standard old, old joke. But the fact is, it's a natural thing for women, in even a small tribe, to know everybody's business, to know who's, who's good, who's, who's iffy, who's kind of bad, who's dangerous, whatever, for themselves, their family, for their offspring, and so on. So they can warn them. It's a natural, natural thing to do, you see. It's a survival thing. They use these same techniques against us all now, you see. And they can use these natural tendencies to want to know and to, and to literally identify as a human, a human person to another human person. They, so they, they represent, they repackage their whole family. Uh, they repackage their whole history, or maybe even remake it. And then they, 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 they humanize them. Like a, they literally say this in manuals for like, like a soap opera's work. A soap opera attract mainly the women. And they'll go into it and oh, who's, they can remember the names and whose birthdays, who, just, that's what they do, you see. And so you make them, you start humanizing the people, you give them more and more details about this prince and that prince and that princess, and, and you humanize them. And then you start dishing out little stories. Don't, it doesn't matter if they're fake, you see, you make them up. Or they've had a tiff with so-and-so, and it's very soapish, you see. And they'll follow it and get bigger and bigger followings. And, and I mentioned before, too, that they've admitted that Harry and other ones have got their different accounts and so on, and have rival little you know, bets on with each other who's one of the most, most hits that day for folk looking in to see what their, their made-up lives are all about. It's just amazing how it works. Well, it's the same thing with everything else, folks, if you haven't figured it out. It's the same thing with these wars that are going on. Wars were planned at the very least in the 1990s, probably before that, in fact, but, but published in the 1990s as, as, as plans. <laughs> I can even remember when, as I say, 1991, when, again, Russia supposedly suddenly just dropped. They couldn't compete anymore in the Cold War. It was looted, of course, by the West that, that sent people in from, from even the Federal Reserve in the U.S. They went in there and even did a documentary on it and how all the different shares as they privatized their big, big businesses were literally stolen by the oligarchs that are now in stolen power. <laughs> it was all arranged in advance, of course. But uh, I've, I've often said I would never run for politics you know, because I don't believe in organized crime. But the thing when they went into uh, against Saddam Hussein was because supposedly... He'd attacked initially Kuwait, to the north of Iraq, and the oil fields there. Now, for those who don't know it, Kuwait was set up with the oil fields by, by Papa Bush, as they call him. And he had massive shares in it, and uh, that's where the Bush family's got their training in there, and big, massive business. They always give them some kind of sway over oil fields initially to get an idea of things, how, how the scams work. And uh, that's what Rockefeller did too with Maurice Strong. He picked him up, you know, a little, supposedly a nobody, but he, more to him than met the eye, of course, and and put him in charge of oil fields to start with, to get the feel of you know how you really shape the world and how the little, the little folk work, the little people, and then how the bigger people work and all that kind of stuff. Well, the same thing with Kuwait. Well, Saddam Hussein had asked. I remember it was, it, was, it was actually documentaries on it. He'd asked the consulates in Iraq from America and Britain if, if he could go in there and set it straight. He says, because, you know, it says, and it's true, they even had articles in scientific magazines. I mean, I don't know. I can't swear if popular mechanics was involved too. But they, I can remember reading through them and they showed you these horizontal drill, drilling rigs that go down a, a good distance and then do a right angle and go underneath the country's borders into the next neighbouring country and suck their oil, you see. And that's what they've been doing from Kuwait into Iraq. And Saddam had put complaints in to the different world courts and so on, but nothing, nothing happened. And so he, he literally said, I, 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 I'd like to go and, and deal with this. And 
He was supposed to be giving the okay. Well, if you do that, we won't interfere, said the West. Well, as soon as he went in there, of course, the West declared war on him and, and drove him out and slaughtered a huge, massive part of his army on the way back and then kept him under about a 10 years embargo, aerial embargo, no-fly zone over, overheads. Then they starved him for all those years before they finally invaded him. So you've you got to really understand what goes on as opposed to the, the rah-rah, you know, here's the flag thing. Uh, there's always big business behind things, always massively behind all this kind of stuff. And it's not for the nations, folks. The nations supply the equipment, the military, uh, the body bags even, and you pay for it all. Uh, the corporations, of course, uh, get the spoils of war. And you even, I can even remember <laughs> articles from, <laughs> it, it leaked out when they were bombing Iraq with Britain and the States. And they were literally targeting oil wells. The, the West claimed initially, that against propaganda put out by the disinformation specialists and, and intelligence, and they, they said that, uh, oh, look at this terrible oil. And it was true, they had set so many oil fields on the fire. They even did movies about it, but it was thick black smoke all for weeks and weeks. But it turned out that the Pentagon had got word that they to pretty target because they said these refineries were old refineries and so on, and old rigs, and, and they get the American taxpayer to build new ones for them because the U.S. Were, with corporations were going to take over, you see. It was just wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it amazing, eh? But unfortunately, it's too easy to 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 use these kind of uh, reasons to get wars going. In the past, when it was a Cold War, it was easier to understand. Nobody wanted a totalitarian type of system back then to rule you. And it's amazing. Uh, now we've come into an even more totalitarian system. It's developed where you're seeing total, in- complete intolerance to anyone who's a dissident of any kind and doesn't go along with the big boys' plans. It's not as a matter of, of shunning you in society. You still got all your pals over. Today, of course, you, you won't be able to financially live uh, in, in an electronic age. I hope you understand this. So you, you simply, you're always lied to. And it's a sad thing that many a soldier, for instance, is, if they can survive, can look back on things. If, if they've got the way for all, a lot of people live the rest of their lives in shock. They do or PTSD, when they realize that they were part of something that shouldn't have happened. But at least during the Cold War, as they say, there was a big play to change a good part of the world, communist. And that didn't sit well on people who just fought World War II, for instance, and believed in all the propaganda that was used back then. So you just don't, don't suddenly want to become communist, even though your universities... This is, I can never figure this out for a long time. Why are universities in Britain had professors from the, the, the old um, Soviet bloc that came into Britain and, and taught at universities throughout Britain. made no sense until you see the bigger, bigger picture. And I'll put up an article tonight, too, to do with Peter Hitchens. I should read a little bit from it for you, just to like, give you an insight into some things here. Peter Hitchens himself, as dad, was an officer in the Navy through World War Two, a career officer, though. And he watched the, the, the total decline of the system and the scrapping of a lot of the old British uh, warfare system of shipping navies and so on. It's part of the deal that was arrived at with uh, the US and post-war Britain for land lease and all the rest of it, because Britain was up to his eyes in debt from World War One, never mind, too. But... Uh, he talks about uh, that, that anti-British Marxists, and don't forget, nothing happens in a system where you have an, a, a real and clever elite at the very, very top. At least the, the, the agencies that work for them on their behalf, they don't let anything bad happen. So you think about this, here's Peter Hitchens, who was part of that generation, who went to good schooling, into university, I think maybe Oxford he went to too, where he, he was converted to, to, to Marxism. They didn't want to call it communism then after Stalin, but they, they wanted to do Marxism, Trotskyism, you know, it's all the same stuff, just variations, just different colours of the same thing, or camouflages of the same thing. And he says here, he talked about the infiltration of anti-British Marxists into the highest levels of British society, right? And you can actually hear him talking about this on a YouTube 
if I get the link for it, I'll put it up. It says, this has completely transformed Britain and British life and culture. Uh, since Blair came to power in 1997 as an example. It was on the go before with Harold Wilson all the way through, but when, when Blair got in, for those who hadn't figured that out too, this is the former Marxists, they were all Marxists, including Blair, occupied positions of power in all critical areas of British life. Now, if they got into these ones, I would say that the elite at the top had planned it this way. And it says they have revolutionised Britain and it's no longer... The country once was. This is the really ridiculous thing about the modern West. We live in post-revolutionary societies, and in most cases, we don't even realise the revolutions taken place. And that's so true, because they use the Gramsci technique of you know about forty, fifty, sixty years, seventy years of gradually taking over the culture, all areas of the culture, including the music and everything else, to the sexual revolution and the, the feminist revolution and revolution after revolution, you see? And you laugh at these old revolutions, you think, oh, well, it's just children and youngsters have... No, no, this was planned, folks. And those, young, those children having fun and with promiscuity became adults, you see? Etc., uh, etc. Et anyway, it says... Um, post-revolutionary societies. In most cases, we don't even realize the revolution's taken place. There's been a Kierkegaardian revolution in which all the buildings remain standing, but everything which led to their being built and contributed to their design and the whole society that supported them has been wiped away. And people walk around in it relatively prosperous thinking Revolution must mean a red flag flying above the post office and the barracks and the railway station with commissars in the streets. It doesn't. Modern left-wing revolution means this, the policing of thought. Now think about this, folks. The policing of thought, okay? As I say, I know of journalists who have been had calls by the cops in these countries who said, we're worried about your thinking. It's all here. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. And it says, The deadening of the academy, the lack of serious debate or understanding, suppression of disagreement. And that's, it's not, see, suppression. It's not toleration. It's suppression of disagreement. And everybody accepts it, and you're surrounded by it, and there is no cure for it. It's all gone. You see? The whole system's gone. Education is dead. The media is dead. And isn't it ever... It's almost unwatchable. Most of what's put out now, in particular on the BBC's television, is almost impossible for an intelligent person to sit down and watch it. And that's a fact. You wouldn't believe how loaded it is with, with this. It's, all, it's like Marx's speech in conversations and put down as entertainment. And into their, their different entertainment and, and soaps and all the rest of it and dramas. He says, but luckily for them, the number of intelligent, educated people is very small, so they get away with it. And they've, see, they've made sure that you, that you just don't have education now. You don't get education, is what education is. You certainly don't get critical thinking. And you're taught everything's quite normal. You're raised to be naive, aren't you? Everybody is. Well, this is all normal. We're all just happy, little, having fun, you know. Really? Hmm. And it says, uh, My advice to young people in Britain, right, is to leave the country. And people laugh at me when I say it, but I've never been more serious about anything in my life. And they ask me where I should go, and I say, I don't care where you go. The point is, about this country is in the foothills of such a catastrophe. It's not a good idea to wait around and find out what it's like. Called Eurocommunism. This policy renowned Soviet economic models. And this is what this is how they, they did it, you see. They kept the techniques. I've said this before, but it's the Soviet experiment. They used the techniques that worked. So it says this this policy, Eurocommunism renowned Soviet economic model, but kept the key aims of transforming our society. Tens of thousands of Marxists left the newly expanded universities to enter teaching. Journalism, the BBC, the law, and, of course, politics. Starting from the 1990s, it began to pop in it, up in positions of importance. And this is Peter Hitchens talking. He says that, crucially, his generation were deep inside 
uh, what became new Labour communist Marxists in Blair's cabinet, including John Lord Reed, who was Defence Secretary. Now, these are communist Marxists, right? In charge of defence, Defence Secretary. Bob Ainsworth is also Defence Secretary. Chancellor Alistair Darling, Stephen Byers, who was ousted by The Guardian in uh, 1999 as a former supporter of the Trotskyists. Peter Mandelson, was a pal, he was a vice prime minister, I think, for Tony Blair. Peter Mandelson, by the way, is a guy who took over when Blair was off on holiday, uh, running in Britain, supposedly. And he boasted, it was in the newspapers, he boasted he, he ran Britain from the pool of the French Lord Rothschild's pool in France. He boasted about that. That's, that's how I ran Britain, you know, just bathing in the pool. Trotskyists again. And again, these names are, are covers themselves. They can be covers as well, folks. This is Peter Mandelson, even Tony Blair himself, revealed in a BBC interview that he had been a Trotskyist at Oxford in the 1970s. One of Blair's closest aides, Peter Hyman, has confessed that new Labour was devised to take and hold the levers of power, winning power and locking out the Tories to ensure that the 21st century was a Labour century with Labour values. Now, People have no idea, though. This is one part of it, but it gets into the into the managing and taking over of the culture. But nothing happens unless the elite at the top allow this and perhaps even design it to happen, folks. Because you're going in... Remember, the global system is to bring you gradually, gradually, after a little bit of, of better incomes for people for maybe 20 years or so, maybe 30 years max for some people. And bring you back into austerity in a global society. And again, uh, cutting back on energy, that's food too, food, electricity, everything else. That's part of the agenda to save the world, etc. As the elite themselves jet about and live in a lifestyle you, could, you can't imagine. That's reality, folks. So I'll, I'll put this one up as well. And also just to touch on a few other things too, before it's over for the night, I guess. You could babble forever, but uh, there's so much history involved and insight into history as it happens. Most folk don't get the insight as it happens. They get it from books much later on, after it's all happened, and then sometimes in, in later generations. But yeah, we're watching the same old stuff ramp up, as the White House considers dramatic expansion of a travel ban. For different countries there that are going to, where he's going to starve them out again and, or, or, in, or to goad them into war, obviously, like Iran. Hmm. They're not in the Stone Age yet, you see. Most countries around there have been hammered into already. They tried to do the same thing with Syria. And we've watched it. Again, don't forget it's a chessboard. This will happen, I'll cause this to happen, I'll cause that to happen. The mass migration flooding in from all those countries when they took out Libya which used to hold back mass migration and flooding across Europe and into Britain. That's destroyed. And when that happened, I knew this was part of the plan, was to completely alter the face of Europe forever. Obviously, that was part of the plan, folks. And they haven't stopped. There's been lots of Iranians trying to get into Britain, legally and illegally, for years now. Because you can imagine them getting brought up for the last 20-odd years, waiting for your turn to get bombed. That's a lot of stress on people. And once it happens, of course, there'll be <laughs> millions again. Eh? And then you get a good chunk of Africa jumping on board with it and from other parts of the, of the world too because they won't need passports or anything else to prove who they are. In their article too, it says, Does Trump have an ethnic Iranian interrogation and detention program in the works? So it says, Reported detention and interrogation of Iranian Americans in Washington state over the weekend raises an obvious question. Was this an isolated incident, or is the Trump administration rolling out an interrogation possible detention program and targeting persons of Iranian heritage? Well, we saw all of that in the last 20 years of the horrors from the torture camps, etc. An extraordinary rendition, as they called it, as they kidnap folk and just took different countries to torture them. Is this a civilized planet, folks? Is this is how you're going to teach the world to emulate you? You're going to drum up incredible hate, which again is part of the chessboard. 
There's no doubt about it, folks. You don't do this kind of thing unless you want a massive backlash forever so you can stay in power or even use it for other reasons you haven't even found out yet. I'm not kidding you. Google will derank RT articles to make them harder to find, says Eric Schmidt. And uh, so the executive sh- uh, chairman of Google, Eric Schmidt, the parent company of Alphabet, says the company will engineer specific algorithms for RT and Sputnik to make their articles less prominent on the search engine's news delivery system. That's your toleration. That's what you're going to give to the world. Intolerance, you see. On board or not on board. That's where we are. Isn't it sad, eh? We don't go forward in, in, a, in a world of tolerance at all, for, regardless of all their baseless prattle, as we go into this completely intolerant society where they can literally cut off every, everything from a person if they don't like you. And starve folk to death. And anywhere in the world, by the way. I'll put up an article too. How to spot a Twitter troll. Quite a good article by um, Craig Murray, who was a former ambassador uh, to some of the Middle Eastern countries, I think it was. He's now a human rights activist. You don't have to agree with everybody or their or their philosophy or their beliefs, but he's got good, some good stuff uh, here and there, with uh, such as how to spot a Twitter troll. And we're looking to recruit, uh, it says here, that the advertisement put out by the GCHQ in Britain, currently advertising to recruit more trolls to carry out precisely the activity I outline here. As their advertisement puts it, and the links are here, by the way, we're looking to recruit individuals who can contribute to a step change in the UK's ability to project cyber power against our adversaries. Now, once again, here, yeah, it's like, it's like I said before, when war is declared with Britain and we are at war with, you know, well, uh, our adversary, who are we? <laughs> People don't stop and think, eh? They really don't, eh? And young folk don't, because you, you take it for granted. It's all based on trust, you see. The whole system from, from uh, about one-third of the way down, from then on, all the way down to the bottom, it's based on trust, you, you know. Well, they wouldn't lie to us, you know, we're the good guys. And that's what you believe, you know. So, against our advert, in order to keep the UK safe, you will be at the forefront of the nation's covert online capability. We want people who can help support and run operations that disrupt and degrade our adversaries' ability to do us harm and contest malign activity in cyberspace. I do hope this helps cut through the cognitive dissonance for those of you who found it difficult to come to terms with the truth of the below. And it's got the original post here. So the British government employs a very large number of people whose full-time job is to influence the political narrative on social media. And it's true, one of them's called, and it's only one of them, the 77th Brigade, by the way, of the British Army, the Integrity Initiative MI5 and MI6, that's another one, and the GCHQ all run major programs of covert online propaganda. These, these disinformation warriors operate on Twitter, Facebook, and in comment sections across the internet. So it tells you how to spot a Twitter Troll, and there's thousands out there, and you come across them, I'm sure, and you've probably been horrified, thinking, "But really, that's such a bad person." Well, that's how they attack you. They're meant to to shake your psyche until you start. Oh my God, maybe I'm bad, or you know, yeah, yeah, because you know, no one likes to be bad, you see, do you? <laughs> it's quite something. And then the Pentagon launched a second attack on an Iran- they called it an Iranian militant the same day it killed Soleimani. And don't forget, Soleimani is a, different versions of it. I mean, the guy was on a diplomatic mission with, with, with diplomatic uh, status. Uh, he wasn't sneaking around, going from one country to the other. And, and let's be honest, the bottom line is, why is the U.S. in Iraq still? Normally, that's a conquering invasive force, isn't it? But you look at the oil fields there too, eh? And they're not going to leave it. And I think there was 27 bases around the, the very borders of, of around... Um, Iran, for instance, they've 27 or 28, and they've other, a whole stack of 40 odd. We need to go out a few miles out on the other side, too, from that. So, 40 odd bases around Iran. There's even a joke out there, some, someone put it out. It's a really good one, too, but it's based on fact. And they pinpointed all these bases around Iran. And it says, look where they put their country, right in the middle of our bases. You see, and, but yeah, no one says, well, why are they there in the first place? Really pretty sad, isn't it? Afghanistan, where supposedly it all started in the caves there that, that Osama bin Laden, even though he always denied it at the end, and, and fuzzy uh, videos he sent out, or we were told he sent out, 
that's why the U.S. eventually went into Afghanistan rather quickly, actually. They'd planned to do it before 9-11 happened. The troops are all still there, yeah, in, in Afghanistan. After 18 years of U.S. occupation, the poll finds 0% of Afghans are thriving and 85% are suffering. Uh, it's, it's just something. I mean, remember, too, facts are facts. Folks. You understand that the, the, the lies to get you into war, it doesn't matter how, how outrageous they are, as long as they get you into war. Because once you're in, it doesn't matter if, if they're exposed as being lies. Once you're in, the, the ball's rolling. You see, that's how they do things. Afghanistan is, was really third world status pretty well for most of the country. Uh, with with stacks and stacks of tribes occasionally warring with each other down through many, many centuries. But it was called the graveyard of empires where the invaders would come in and, and Britain did it. And, of course, the opium was a big, big plus to get the, like, their hands on the opium. If you want to drug other countries like China, <laughs> which, of course, Britain and the U.S. took part in to make them uh, drop to their knees. In many ways, not just cyber warfare, to get countries to destabilize and drop to their knees and get to beg to stop it. And then there come the conditions. That's the techniques that are used. As I say, history is really a horror show, people. I hope you understand that it's a horror show. So anyway, 85% are suffering. And they still got troops in there yet. And don't forget, too, it came out, too, when 9-11 happened, Supposedly, if, even if there were hijackers, supposedly most of them were from Saudi Arabia, the best ally of the U.S. Still is the best ally. I wasn't Iraq or Iran. And the same, the parties, like weapons of mass destruction, when you see them all on board with the same thing, like Soleimani was a bad man, you see? He had blood of British troops on his hands, says here. Well, don't forget that, that, that Britain trained and supplied, and so did the States... ISIS, ISIL, Al-Qaeda, whatever they call themselves, they kept morphing into different names when the public caught on to it. They were meant to topple Libya and, and then Syria. And they'll never be forgiven, uh, those countries, or anybody who helped those countries to stop it. There's no way. If you've stopped anything at all in the big agenda, yeah, you're, you're done for. You'll never, ever let it go. And it's sad. Because the mass murders of the people for oh, for years now, and years and years and years, who who we never heard of. Most folk even point couldn't even get them on a map. But all the different communities and Christian communities too. These are these weren't Western Christian communities. These are the, these are people who lived very simply and traditional ways with, with very strong families. Again, that's a dangerous thing for for this world system: strong families and religion. Holding them together, but they, they went back for a thousand, two thousand years. These families were over by Syria, outside Syria too, and getting slaughtered. And, and it was so tragic to watch. No, nobody in the Western world and in the leadership capacities said anything. This no, they didn't give a darn. That that tells you an awful lot. And they lost a lot, an awful lot of support when that started to filter through the public. It tells you so much about the ones who rule. Right? And then you've got an article here by Philip Garaldi. I think it's for the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. It's amazing to hear some of the old conservatives talking about peace and prosperity. <laughs> this used to be the left wing, you go blame with that. But this, really, it's amazing how they all change positions and one becomes the other. Hey? It goes back and forth. It's a good article, actually on the corrupt power in Washington, D.C. And it's been there for about 100 years. The deep states was there for about 100 years, total corrupt. And Quigley said it himself in the 1960s that an organization that he belonged to, he said they'd been running and supplying your presidents for 60 years. That was in 1960, he wrote the book, you see. So you're really looking at this, this um, particular organization from the late 1800s. I hope you understand that. That is the, the real deep status in there, you know. And they all get paid from the same sources, way above their paycheck level in politics. Big private organization. And interesting too, as they went, into, as they went to, to bomb Iran this time, Iran had two earthquakes in the north area. But it's interesting to me because when they went to, to, for, to attack Iraq in the last so-called Iraqi Freedom War, <laughs> Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, they had earthquakes here. To win them hit a place called Bam, I think it was, 
think it was BAM. Right on cue, it was quite quite amazing. The first Gulf War altogether, the Desert Storm one, uh, the Iraqi troops were coming out of their trenches. It wasn't shell-shocked either. They, it was thought they used the EMP technology upon them. It really completely creates a fugue-like state, a zombie-like state, until it passes. And it's entrained on your mind and your brain. They used, that was in the newspapers at the time, the journal newspapers. And they thought they couldn't believe them. They were just walking up like zombies. And they couldn't understand or look or just as far away look in their eyes. And it was said that you, that harp technology, you can actually train it in, on a certain position. Old stuff, eh? But all gone now. But used used in more sophisticated ways, actually, and maybe more perfected. But earthquakes, yeah, earthquakes. They they, they can cause earthquakes too, by the way, by uh, the harp type technology, and by the, the underground CERN type technology as well. But if you put a standing wave up there. And then you you put a few up, and then you can bring them onto a, a focal point in the ionosphere, and then beam them down like a reflector on a specific point. You can create incredible earthquakes. <laughs> that, that alone will do. And again, the effect upon the human mind, massive disorientation, and so on, confusion. And Twitter executive revealed to be a psyops soldier linked to spreading disinformation across social media. A threat to our democracy, it says here, as in Newsweek. I'll put these articles up. These are only a few, because uh, the time oh, the time's really flying on here. And uh, I can't go over the limit. If I get well well over the, the hour, uh, uh, try to cram it in to speed up the voice and cram it together, and you sound like a chipmunk eventually. I don't want to be like that. Anyway, folks, that's unfortunately it for tonight. But we're in such amazing psychological warfare all the time in all different areas, including all the different organizations. If you bring up even global warming, you'll be hammered and hammered by, by psyops organizations with, with their countless uh, little trolls. Because agendas are at work, and you've got to understand that the agenda is to make everybody believe that it's your fault, you're alive, and you're causing the planet to die. And you must therefore be controlled by experts and do what you're told by experts and commissars. As you get as the ones who rule over you get richer and richer and see this is the super sophisticated proper Soviet system. Not the Russian Soviet, the proper Soviet system. That was meant to end up like that. You train the public to be obedient. You train them to love their servitude, as George Orwell talked about. Anyway, from, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, where it's heavily, heavily snowing. And I demand my share of global warming, because I'm paying taxes for it. It's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.